Welcome to the All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. During this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service, Chaplain Randy Griffin's sermon comes from the book of John, chapter 9. This week's sermon is entitled, Once I Was Blind, But Now I See. All right, let me open this up in a word of prayer. Lord, we're so thankful for the time that we can be here. We're thankful for this facility that is dedicated for the purpose of coming and gathering to worship the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, that is our desire today. Lord, we desire to meet you here in this place, in these pews. And I pray, Lord, that as a result of that, that our lives would be challenged and changed in a way that as we go out, that we would spread the love of God, that we would focus on the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would bless our service today as we continue our look through the gospel of John as we look at the signs and the miracles that John recorded for us, that all of these were used to help us know who Jesus is. So, Father, I pray today that we would learn what you would have us to know today from the sermon and just bless our time Remove from us distractions. Help us to come into the worship that you would have us give. And I pray these things, and I ask it all now in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31 says this. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. I invite you to pray with me as you may be seated and we can do the congregational prayer. Lord, you brought us all here today. We ask that you would prepare our hearts as you have prepared us to hear your word, God. May our hearts be ready to be transformed. May our hearts be changed so that when we walk out of this, this church, this chapel, God, that the rest of the world would see a light. Whoever we go to, whether it's our neighbors, whether it's at our homes, whether it's in, in our units, whoever we see, God, that they would see a light inside of us. It's because of the faith that you have given to us. So, Lord, give us faith to believe. As we come across another one of your signs, as we come across another miracle that you perform, Lord, reveal to us the vision that you have given to us. And that is, salvation comes by no other faith, by no other name than Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, transform the homes. Transform our relationships, our marriages. Transform our units so that we could reach all of Fort Bragg. May your gospel be spread across the neighborhoods here. May your gospel be spread across the units so that you, whenever we go in any mission, that your light would go with it that your church would be built up, that your kingdom would grow. We ask that you would use us to reach Fort Bragg for your glory. We also ask for those who are sick, for those who are hurting, 
if it's in their hearts or in, if it's in a relationship that's, that's estranged, God, we ask for restoration, for healing. Lord, we ask for those who are deployed that you would be with them, that you would be pr their protector, that you would be their warrior, that you would be their uplifter. And that they would see you and give you glory for it. And Lord, we ask that this offering that we're about to give would be used to build your kingdom up, that it would be used for soldiers to hear the gospel, maybe for the first time, that they would know and that they would be able to see the sign, the miracle of you revealing your life to us. And as a result, your kingdom would be built. And Lord, so we pray as you have taught us to pray in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right, turn with me uh, over to the Gospel of John. We've been camping out there for the last few weeks. As you know, if you've been here as, <clears throat> as we've been unfolding this series of uh, John, and we have been looking at the, the signs, if you would, pointing to who Jesus is, and really how we should understand and know Jesus. The miracles are great. Don't get me wrong. The miracles are all about helping us understand the power that Jesus possesses. But the signs that John wants us to see are all intended for one purpose, so that we truly come to recognize Jesus as the Son of God. The Son of God. I want to ask you to do something for me for just a moment. Indulge me if you would for just a second. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. It's not the invocation, all right? So don't get, so don't get excited. This isn't the shortest sermon you've ever heard me preach. But just close your eyes. And I want you to think about what it would be like to be totally blind. To live your life in total darkness. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You can open your eyes. In 2013, while I was deployed in Afghanistan, I had a medical emergency. The sight in my right eye was going away. It was like a curtain was being pulled down 
in my right eye, and everything was turning to total darkness. I had no clue what was happening. So like most guys, you know, well, I'll go see the medic tomorrow or later or, you know. So I, I put it off for like 24 hours. And it just kept getting worse and darker and darker until by the time I finally went to the, the clinic to see the medic, uh, sight was gone in my right eye. And I had no clue what was happening. Well, of course, he did, thank God. So they evacuated me to Landstuhl Medical Center in Germany. And by the time I got there, not understanding that there's a 72-hour window that if you don't get surgery on a detached retina, you lose sight permanently. Well... By the time they tested me and figured out what was happening, then it was a detached retina. I was well within that, that timeline. And I remember well the emotions leading up to the surgery that had to be done on my eye. It was this sense of fear, this sense of, of sadness that I'd never be able to see in my right eye again. And just not knowing that when I came out of surgery, if I would have my sight or not. Well, thanks to the mercy of God, to modern medicine and, and actually an extremely gifted German retinal specialist, they did save my sight. It's not perfect, but but I can still see in my right eye. But that experience, that experience just provided me with ample opportunity to think carefully about sickness and, and health, and particularly about blindness. So I feel, if you would, just a bit of a bond this morning to the guy that we're going to look at in John chapter 9, the man born blind. It's an interesting story. This guy is a very colorful character, even though he, he lived his life in total darkness. So today, I want us to look at this passage in John chapter 9. And I want us just to see what we can learn about Jesus' attitude towards disease, towards pain, towards undeserved suffering. How did the Son of God approach this man? What was the greater lesson of this miracle that I want you to see this morning? And what sign, again, what sign is revealed for us to show us more about who Jesus is? Look with me at John chapter 9. We read in verse 1, As he passed by, he saw a man 
blind from birth. As his disciples, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, whose sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. Did I say that, but that the works of God might be displayed in him? That's one of those stomp the pulpit uh, moments, all right? We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, as with all stories in the scripture, context, context, Context will drive interpretation and understanding of the event. So to fully appreciate this story, this miracle, you have to be aware of what has happened leading up to this encounter of Jesus with this blind man. This was no ordinary day for Jesus. There were some significant stressors that he was under. And we see this back in chapter 8. I'm not going to take the time to go back and read from that chapter, but all of this took place in chapter 8. There had been some serious confrontations that Jesus had been involved with with the Jewish religious leaders that preceded this miracle. Jesus' very life was at risk at this moment. Jesus had made the boldest claims of his earthly ministry to these Jewish religious leaders. He had claimed to be one with the Father. He had claimed to be greater than Abraham. He had called these religious leaders sons of the devil. So he and these religious leaders were not really buds right now, okay? As a matter of fact, they had begun to take up stones to stone Jesus to death for blasphemy. But like a great paratrooper, he just slips away through the crowd. And Jesus is making his way out of 
the temple area out of one of the exit gates, and he comes up on this blind man. So this is the context now that I want you to be aware of. You know, Jesus was in a hurry. He wasn't on some leisurely stroll here. He wasn't really available for a counseling session. He was headed out the temple gate to escape being stoned. And he comes up on this, this fellow who was blind, who customarily sat by one of the gates leading out of the temple area. But I want you to notice what Jesus does. He takes a moment. In the midst of all that he had going on, he stopped and approached the blind man. The blind man didn't call out to him. And Jesus didn't take the time to question the blind man. Jesus didn't take the time to discuss with the blind man what was going on in his life. Jesus didn't talk about the blind man's past or his sins. He didn't say to the blind man, like he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. All of this would come later. Jesus just simply stopped, reached down, got a little dust from the ground, if you would, spit in it. Okay, I'm just the messenger here, all right? I know it doesn't sound very sanitary, but actually this was a, a sort of a, an ancient custom, if you would. Spit in it, made mud, applied it to the man's eyes, and he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he, and he kept walking. He kept walking. He never even stopped or, or waited around to see what the outcome would be, like he didn't know, right? But Jesus just kept walking. So with all of this going on, as Jesus got to the blind man, Jesus still took the time to interact with this man. So let's talk about the man, the blind man, for just a moment. I want you to notice a couple of observations about the blind man. We don't know his name, but obviously he was, he was known to the people in and around Jerusalem, especially those in and around the temple area, because most of his adult life he had spent sitting at one of the gates of the temple as a beggar, taking alms from those who would give to him to help support his basic needs of life. That was his existence, blind from birth. He had lived his total life in darkness. He was as helpless as if he had no eyes, no hands, no arms. That was his existence, sitting at the temple gate, 
collecting alms of those who were generous enough to throw him a coin to help him survive. But there must have been something that he sensed in the voice or the manner of Jesus that convinced him to do exactly what Jesus told him to do. Two things happened to this man in this chapter. He was healed physically, and after going through an incredible gauntlet of challenges by the religious leaders, and we'll talk about those in just a moment, he was healed spiritually. He was blind, but now he could see. This man's healing, his the giving of sight to this blind man, it, it should have been cause for great rejoicing. But that was not to be. As a matter of fact, the exact, we see the exact opposite response take place, especially by the religious leaders. This miracle ignited a firestorm among the Jewish religious leaders. They brought the man in for questioning. They brought his parents in for questioning. They were beside themselves that this Jesus had dared to do such a thing, especially on the Sabbath. Look at verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, I washed, and I see. It's pretty simple to him. That's exactly what had happened. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, well, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Notice the word signs. And there was division among them, among the religious leaders. And so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. You know, it's interesting to note that even among the religious leaders now, there was some disagreement. There was division on who this Jesus could be or really was. And so to try and downplay this miracle, they just try to dismiss the fact that this guy was ever blind to begin with. And so 
They bring in his parents to verify his blindness. Now, I love the response by the parents in verse 23. His parents said, he's of age, ask him. They were so fearful of the religious leaders, they were willing to throw their own son under the bus. That's what's happening here, in case you didn't pick up on that, all right? They were so fearful that if they gave any credit to Jesus, that they were going to be in serious trouble. So they were, they were all about letting their son handle this, this situation. So they bring in the blind man again. Look at verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind they, they, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And I love his answer. He answered, Whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Straight to the point. you got to love this guy. And then he continues in verse 32. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And then the religious leaders, they answered him and said, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Now that term, cast him out, there's a lot more involved there than just, you know, kicking him out of the temple. To be cast out means that his entire social existence ceased to exist. He would have no more standing in that society. He would have no ability to ever come to the temple again. They cast him out. But that's not the end of the story. Let's look at how Jesus responds in verse 35. Look with me there. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see 
may become blind. Once again, Jesus sought out this man a second time. And he talked to him about who he was. And the man believed, he worshipped Jesus, and he became a follower of Christ at that, at that very moment. This is the only instance, as the blind man pointed out to us, in all of Scripture, where a person who was born blind is healed by the power of God. So not only did this man receive physical sight, but he now has received spiritual sight. And he has become a follower of Jesus. The eyes of his soul have now been opened for the first time. Now, I could probably stop right there and be done with this sermon. But after studying this passage for almost a month now, I realize that there's a lot more to this story than just that. I don't want you to miss what I think is the most important point of this entire story. I want you to see the implication of this miracle for us. This miracle was really a mentoring moment for Jesus' disciples. Because if you remember back up in verse 2, the disciples asked Jesus this question, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, the disciples, they just couldn't bear to let this opportunity slip away. They were just like you and just like I would have been if I had been in that situation. All of their lives, they had wondered about this age-old problem of pain, of suffering, of disease. This, this idea that if, if God is a good God, if God is, is all-powerful, then why on earth would God allow a person to be struck down with such a disease as this. You know, it would be one thing if, if this guy was some despicable criminal, then maybe he would deserve to have this kind of, of, of misery, this disease. It was easy enough to understand that if this guy had some kind of vile past, then maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. But that wasn't the case. This fellow was totally blind from birth. His entire life he had spent as a blind man. So, so, the, so the disciples, they raised this question 
to Jesus. How did Jesus respond? Well, Jesus, he could have explained that although God is perfectly good and all-powerful, this world in which we live, which he made, was now, had now been corrupted by man's sin, by the fall of man. It's now a fallen, bent, crooked, broken place in which there are, are selfish and harmful, evil people. There are also millions of types of viruses and, and bacteria. All of these forces are at work to make this earthly environment in which all people, good and evil, exist, are all equally at risk. No one is safe from danger. Why, even Jesus himself, God's own son, would soon be murdered on a Roman cross. And so we must look to heaven as the only perfect environment. Jesus, Jesus could have said all of that. Or he could have explained that, yes, there are some situations in which the sin of the parent brings pain, grief, sickness on a child. We certainly see this in the case of Babies being born to alcoholics or drug-addicted mothers or in instances where, where children suffer blindness or even worse because of a parent that's been infected by a venereal disease. Jesus, he could have gone into all of that. Jesus could have preached the most incredible sermon on this topic that would have gone down in history as the most penetrating analysis of the problem of pain, suffering that was ever given. He was the Son of God. He knew the answers to this problem. He could have once and for all settled all of the disciples and our questions if he had only preached that sermon. But he didn't. He didn't. And as a result, we still have only an imperfect, incomplete, understanding of the problem of pain, disease, and suffering. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, hey, the only thing I'm going to tell you right now is that this situation is an opportunity. 
This situation is an opportunity for God to be glorified. This is an opportunity to show what God can do. Don't miss that point, All-American Chapel. When you face tragedy, whether it's sickness or maybe natural disaster, whatever it is, maybe you might be able to discern some reason for why that's happening. Or on the other hand, you may not be able to discern any sense out of what's going on in your life at that moment. And it may seem that God is not answering you when you pray about that situation. And all you're left with is why. Why? Why would God allow this to happen? And it may just be that the only answer you will get is this. This has happened. Don't dwell on why. Rather, it has happened and having happened, we now have an opportunity to see God at work. That's really the response that God desires from us in moments like that. Just like Job responded, after losing everything that he had, that he had acquired and possessed in his life, which was a lot of stuff, a huge family. And as he lost everything, we read this at the end of chapter 1. Job arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. In the book, Hope Unseen, it was written by Army Major Retired Scotty Smiley. And in this book, Scotty records the story of how he lost his sight in both eyes when a suicide bomber blew himself up just 30 meters, a suicide uh, vehicle-borne uh, IED blew up 30 meters in front of the striker vehicle that Scotty was in. 
blindness became the supreme test of Scotty's life. His journey to adapt to a world of total darkness, it shook him. It shook him to the very core of his existence, causing him to even doubt God, to be angry with God, to turn away from his, from his Christian faith. He would spend months at Walter Reed recovering, and nearly two years before he was back to what could be considered a normal lifestyle. But slowly he regained his spirit. And he would go on to serve as the first blind active duty officer in, in military history. But when you listen to Scotty speak today, he'll tell you, that his blindness has given him a greater depth of faith in God that he ever had prior to that accident. His blindness has allowed him to bring greater glory to God than he could have ever done with his sight. Scotty will tell you that once he was blind, but now he can see. What about you? Are the eyes of your heart open to God? When tragedy strikes your life, will you be ready to display the works of God in the midst of your suffering? You know, this miracle, this miracle is not about Jesus given a blind man's sight. This miracle, this sign is about learning what it means to truly see for the first time. This miracle was to demonstrate that Jesus is the light of the world. Once we understand that, then the eyes, our eyes, are truly opened for the first time. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this wonderful story, this miracle that we have recorded for us in this chapter. But Father, I pray that today 
we would not just focus on a man being healed from blindness. But I pray, Lord, that we would focus on what it means for us to truly have sight. Lord, your desire is that we see you for who you are, that we see your son Jesus as the one who can give us sight, true sight, just as this blind man understood who Jesus was for the first time. And as he worshipped him and gave his life to him, I pray that someone in this congregation today may for the first time receive their sight that they may understand, Lord, what it means to see you, to see your son Jesus, to be drawn to him in a way that would cause us to truly see Now, Lord, bless, I pray, as we transition now to our time of communion. Help this time to serve as well, Lord, to help us see you and appreciate more deeply what you have done for us by shedding your blood, by giving of your body, as a sacrifice for our sins. Now be with us, Lord. Speak to our hearts through your Spirit, I pray. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.